0: This morning I've simply entitled the message, Distractions. Distractions. God has been working on this message for weeks for me. It's, it's been a while that God has been kind of really dealing with this situation because to be honest with you, to see a church awakened, we have to remove the distractions that are causing us from being awake. And to be honest with you, it was interesting when we had our men's prayer time, and I praise God for all the men that showed up for that men's prayer time. Guys, that was awesome. And I'm going to tell you what, God blessed in amazing ways. At least he has blessed and touched my heart since we prayed together, and I'm so thankful for it. But I'm going to tell you, when we sat down and we broke up into our groups, my buddy Joseph was sitting here in my group, and we had just asked, what is is something that's going on and something that we need to deal with? And he just said the word. He goes, distractions, and I went. Really, Lord? You've been dealing with me for this for weeks, and I've been praying, prepping, and trying to figure out when I would preach this. And I said, that's exactly what it is. That's what God has been dealing with me. That's what God has been dealing with. And I found out that in each group that broke up, that was a big comment. It was distractions. Now, here's the thing. I asked some people, and I wanted to ask a few questions about distractions, and I said, what are some of the biggest distractions in church And what are some of the biggest distractions to your spiritual walk? And I want to share these with you. I asked them, I said, what are some of the greatest distractions in the church? Now listen to this, because these are some of the things I expected to hear. People getting up and moving, right? I hear that, all right? Uh, People talking while the message is going on. Yes, sometimes I hear that too. Electronics. I know that these are very important And you have to check your Instagram to see if somebody posted in the last minute. Or Facebook to see if somebody made a comment. Or to see if somebody texted you. Or to see something. And for some reason, electronics become one of the biggest distractions in the church. And if we're not careful, we'll lose sight of why we're even here. But the fourth one is the one that really hit me. And that is our focus. Our mind wandering in the midst of worship. I don't know if that's ever been you where you've been in the middle of singing a song and then it's all of a sudden like you've gone off into la-la land and you come back and you forget that we're on verse 2 now. I've done that before. And it's difficult and it's hard and you really have to think about those things. And if we're not careful, those distractions can take us away. I love this when somebody said, time when you preach too long. (laughs) Well, buckle up. And some of them that were on staff said our job, sometimes our job, because we think about what we've got to do and what we've got to accomplish in the church, that we can't focus on the message or we can't focus on the worship because somebody is pulling us in different directions when we're here thinking that on Sundays that we're ready to jump to every whim. And to be honest with you, it's okay for you to tell us those things, but it would be best if you told us to them after service, not before. But these are just some of the greatest distractions in church. But then I asked the same question. I said, what about in your spiritual walk? What is a distraction that's keeping you from your spiritual walk? Now, listen carefully to this. One said family. Please understand what they mean by that. It's that when we have family, we are pulled in all different directions. And you've got to take a kid here, and you've got to take a kid here, and you gotta pick this up, and you gotta cook this, and you gotta do this, and you gotta work, and you gotta, and all of a sudden you've got all these things with family that if we're not careful, we're spending all that time with family and never spend time with God. They said then also there's just too busy. I don't know if any of you are too busy. I understand we have the same 24 hours, seven days a week. And I'm gonna tell you what, if you're not careful, you'll fill your calendar up so full. So full that you have no time for God. Another great distraction to our spiritual walk is sin. We get involved in sin. And to be honest with you, when you get involved in sin, you don't want to pick this book up. And so it can become a distraction. And then the fourth one, get this, mind wandering. I had to say amen to that one. Because I'll be honest with you, if you're like me, sometimes I will be reading the Bible, and I try to read the Bible every day, and I read the Bible, and sometimes I'll get through reading something, I'll be like, "What did I just read?" Anybody else with me on that one? And then I go back to read it a second time, and then I go, "Well, I got half of it that time," <laughs> you yeah. know, or I'll even pray to the Lord, and as I'm praying to God, all of a sudden I shoot off over here, and I come back, and I'm like, "Lord, what was I saying to you?" Right. And my mind wandering can cause me to be distracted in my spiritual walk and I lose sight of what God wants me to do. And so this morning what I want to talk to you about are three of the greatest distractions and how to overcome them. I don't want to just talk to you about these distractions. I want to help you in overcoming them. These are some things that God has been dealing with me and helping me so that I could do this So our first scripture we're going to look at, and we're going to flip several places today, but Matthew 15, verses 7 to 9 is where we're going to begin. I hope you'll turn there. And first we want to talk about mental distractions. Mental distractions. Matthew 15, beginning in verse 7. He says this, Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, But their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me. Mental distractions. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. We have an opportunity to enter into the throne room of God. In fact, we are called in Hebrews to approach the throne of grace with confidence. We get to enter into the throne room of the creator God, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God. We get to go before the one who gave us breath, the one who gives us everything that we have. We have opportunity to stand before the greatest of all greats. And our minds will wander. And our minds will go off into another avenue. We'll forget who we're with. I remember when I first started dating my wife, when we first started dating, she had like all my attention. It didn't take long before what happened. She got distracted in that relationship because I wanted to play video games, right? And so all of a sudden I began to forget and prioritize and put other things. And, and it caused... What happens a lot of times is it causes our minds to wander and get off focus of where it needs to be. And many of us will do that with God. Now I ask you this, how many of you would come into church, drop off a dummy that looked like you, go home and watch TV, and that dummy just sit there in the pew for you? And yet, many of us when we allow our minds to wander in church, that's exactly what we've done. If we're not here, if we're not focused, if we're not understanding whose presence we're in the midst of, we can lose the battle. These mental distractions can happen, and it's because we do things the wrong way. And first, I believe it's because we can take it too lightly. In the book of Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 3, Nadab and Abihu were going to go offer God profane fire But it says this in verse 3, it says, And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. Man, we're coming into God's presence, and he is holy and deserves all glory. Do we forget whose presence we've come into? Have we forgotten that we are entering into the throne room of the king of all kings? We're not coming before a mere president. We're not coming before a king of a country. We're coming before King Jesus. We're coming before the Savior. We're coming before the all-time master. We're coming before the one who's above all kings. We're coming to the one who's above all things. We're coming to that guy. And do we really Understand that when we come into church, we ought to come with our hearts being holy and sanctified and purified and not take it lightly. You see, we've got to be careful that we don't get distracted and forget whose presence we are in the midst of. Secondly, we should not do it rashly. Now, this is all under the mental distractions. We should not do it rashly In fact, in the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 2, it says this. Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Don't be rash. In other words, the idea is so often when we come to worship, we will sing the words up on the screen. And we'll be focused on what song is being sung. And we might focus on the beat of the music. And we might focus on everything except for the most important thing. And that's the one we're singing to. Oftentimes we will sing because everybody else is singing. But if our hearts are not in tune with it, we are coming to God rashly and not giving him true worship here to tell you I know it can happen even when we read the word of God if we're not careful we also need to understand that we've got to make certain we're not too familiar in first samuel chapter 6 Verses 19 and 20, the story is about a time where the people of, of Israel had lost the Ark of the Covenant and the Philistines sent it back to the people of Israel and it went to a town called Beth Shemesh. But in verse 19, it says, then God it says, then he struck the men of Beth Shemesh because they had looked into the Ark of the Lord. He struck 50,070 men of the people and the people lamented because the Lord had struck the people with a great slaughter. And the men of Beth Shemesh said, who is able to stand before this holy Lord God. Man, that's a question we better be asking, isn't it? Who can stand before a holy Lord God? You see, these men thought that, hey, this was just a box. It was just an item. It represented the presence of God. But they could open it up and look inside. And God struck them down. Why? Because they became all too familiar with God. I think that's the biggest problem in the church today is we have bred familiarity with God to where we look at God as a friend instead of recognizing him as master and Lord. We've gotten to a point where we look at him as something less than what he truly is. Yes, am I a friend of God? Of course I am. But I am also a servant of God. I am also a creation of God. I am one who looks to the Almighty and I answer to him in everything I do. And I better not become so familiar that I just want to go up and fist bump the Lord. I don't want to fist bump him. I got to bow down before him. If we're not careful, these mental distractions will take over and keep us from worshiping God properly. And not only must we be careful not to become too familiar, we also need to come before him and not come blindedly. The book of Hebrews chapter 4 verses 12 and 13 teach us this when it says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, and there is no creature hidden from his sight. Let me tell you something, in worship, God knows where your mind is. You can't hide it from Him. There's no point in trying to hide it from Him. There's no point in... In trying to say, well, God doesn't know exactly what I'm doing. God knows everything you're doing. God knows everything you're thinking. God knows exactly what's going through your mind right now. God knows if you are in tune with Him right now, whether you're listening right now, whether you've already tuned me out, God knows you are naked before God. He sees it all. We don't need to come blindedly thinking that God doesn't see, but God sees everything. You say, well, I do things in private. God knows what you do in private. I do things in the dark. God knows what you do in the dark. God sees it all. Let's not come blinded before God. God sees it all. You can fool man, but you cannot fool God. But another mental distraction, we should not come disrespectfully. The book of Malachi chapter one teaches this in verse three, but Esau of hated, had laid waste his mountains for the heritage for the jackal of wilderness, verse eight. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he favorably accept says the Lord of hosts. Now think about this. We don't offer sacrifices like they did in Old Testament times. We don't offer lambs and rams and and goats, and we don't offer those things to God anymore. What we offer to him is the sacrifice of our praise. We offer him our lips. We offer him our worship. Would God say you're giving him your absolute best? You see, here's the thing. God knows whether you've given him your best or not. God knows if you're just mouthing the words. God knows if you're in tune with his word. God knows these things about you. There's no sense in trying to hide it. Don't come to God and offer him disrespectful offerings. I'll go ahead and throw my hand up and say I've been guilty of that. I've been guilty before of trying to praise God but focused on other things and not giving God my best. I don't want to do it any longer. God had to awaken me to that and show me that I had been distracted in such a way that I've not given him the praise that he's worthy of. I don't want to give God half-hearted worship. I don't want to give him 50 percent of myself. I don't even want to reserve one percent for myself. God deserves everything I have. You know, I've often wondered if I had an opportunity with Some great men of God, how I would respond. One of my favorite preachers, even though I don't agree with everything he teaches, but I love John MacArthur. I've gone to several of his conferences. A man that preaches the word of God, just a great man of God. I wonder if I had an opportunity to spend an hour with him, would I allow my mind to wander What I allow myself or what I say, you know, this is somebody that I respect and and I I love and I think teaches the word of God. I I would, if I had an hour with him, I'd have a list of questions I'd love to ask him. We have an hour in here with God. And he's much greater than John MacArthur. Or anybody else you might have listed in your mind whom you'd like to meet. And yet we allow our minds to wander sometimes. These are such mental distractions. Listen to this word. I, I got this quote from somebody. It says, God does not accept weak, boring, half hearted worship. And the reason many Christians do not worship in church with power, excitement, and zeal is because they have no intimacy with Jesus at home. Those who have learned to worship and focus on Jesus privately. Don't need a pastor to pump them up when they come into God's house. They bring their own fire, a fire ignited in a secret closet of prayer. Let me tell you something. We're not here to cheerlead. Now, we do it because we love the Lord, don't we, Troy? I know that man's heart. We do it because we're excited because of what God has done for us throughout the week. We can't wait to get in here and do it with others. But if you expect us to pump you up, then you're missing out on what God wants for you. You should come into church already pumped up and excited. You should come into church ready to worship and serve him. It starts in your secret prayer closet. We got to get back to that. But see, we become mentally distracted. What are some things we can do to chase away mental distractions? I believe there's two. Number one, we need to drive them away. I think in Genesis chapter 15, this is really neat. Abraham had cut a covenant and he had separated these animals. And because he wanted to spend time with God and God was making a covenant with him. In verse 11, it tells us that what he did was he drove the animals away as they tried to eat the animals that he had sacrificed to the Lord. We've got to drive them away. We've got to push them out. In other words, we don't allow them to take up residence in our mind. The moment you begin to see your mind wander, I'm going to tell you, one of the things that I do is I go, Lord, help me. Bring me back on track. That's not, where I, that's not the path I want to go down. I'm focused on you. I want to serve you. I want to live for you. Many of us need to drive away the distractions. But the second thing we need to do is we got to wrestle with the flesh. Galatians 5 tells us that we're wrestling. Our spirits wrestle against the flesh. Now, I'm going to tell you what, if you don't wrestle in church, it means the devil's not concerned with you. I've wrestled with him before. I don't like wrestling with, with the devil as he tries to get me to fall away, to focus elsewhere. But we've got to wrestle against the flesh because the flesh wants to drive us in one direction and God wants to take us down another We've got to focus on the spiritual things of God and focus on God himself when we come into his house and chase those mental distractions away. Number two, flip with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. we got to deal with the mental distractions. Secondly, we need to deal with the satanic distractions. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5, listen to this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Let me tell you something. Satan is an angel of light. He comes down, he wants to deceive, he wants to distract, he wants to pull you away. He wants you to think about things that are not relevant to what's going on in this service right now. His favorite thing to do is distract worship, it's to distract your reading of the Word of God, it's to distract you from hearing the things of God. Satan wants to drive you away, he wants to tear you apart, and he wants to tell you you're no good. Satan wants to do everything he can to take you down. But here's what we have to realize. We, number one, need to fight the right enemy. Ephesians chapter 6, when he tells us to put on the armor of God, he tells us this in verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Can Satan use other people? Absolutely He absolutely can, but it's not other people we wrestle against. It's against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We have to know who the real enemy is. The reason why the church can't reach the community is we're too busy fighting with each other. I am not your enemy. You are not my enemy. Although Satan may use you in my life or may use me in your life, and I have been used sometimes, I'm not, I'm still susceptible in the flesh sometimes. Even though that happens, we have to understand that the real enemy that we're fighting against is the one that wants to steal and kill and destroy this world. It's the one that wants to tear you apart. It's the one that wants to remove you from God. It's the one that wants to take you down. It's the one that wants to cast you out. It's the one that wants you to give up on life. You don't listen to him. He is the enemy. The Bible tells us that we need to resist this enemy. In the book of James chapter 4 verses 7 and 8. The author there says this, therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. If you feel that you're under a spiritual attack that is the time for you to get closer to God. As you draw closer to God, you will find that a shield of protection is put around you. You will find that God will defend you. He will cast out that evil that is against you. If you will get close to God, that's what he tells you. Resist the devil and he will flee draw near to God and God will draw near to you we've got to resist Satan loves to hinder worship I was in a church one time and man I was just preaching I was just as Chris would say I guess I was shucking the corn that day I was just ripping it and letting it go and all of a sudden this guy stands up in the middle of my message he goes, preacher, I agree with everything you said, but I got to go see about a girl. Now, if you don't believe that was Satan, I know it was because my sermon was cut short real quick. Now, don't try that in here. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. I was completely dumbfounded. I was just getting to point three. Point three was about one minute. Conclusion was about 30 seconds and we prayed and we were out. Don't think that Satan doesn't want to disrupt even right now what God is saying to you. Don't think that he is not trying to defile the worship that goes on in this house and keep us from studying the Word of God. He is doing everything he can to tear it apart. But I'll also tell you this. Satan wants you to feel like you're nothing. He wants you to feel unworthy, sinful, hypocritical. Can I tell you when Satan says that to me, you know what I say? You're right. I am unworthy. I am sinful. I do fall short. I am hypocritical at times, but I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. He found value in me when you find no value in me. I'm not going to let him win. I I want to read this quote from somebody else. I thought this was amazing. It says, Satan will do anything to disrupt pure, dedicated worship because he fears it. He'll shoot subtle darts into your mind, injecting all kinds of unfinished business. He'll replay every problem, every worry, every failure of the past week. And he'll play on your emotions replaying images in your mind like a motion picture machine. He'll whisper, how can you worship, you hypocrite? You sinned yesterday. You're a phony. You can't raise your hands and praise the Lord because you're unworthy. Others around you live in victory, but you're the only one who's failing God. He wants to isolate you. But I'm going to tell you what, there's a song that I've been hearing over and over again. And I've asked Troy to kind of play this song for us here because I'll tell you what, this is what comes into my mind when Satan tries to tell me I'm unworthy. When Satan tries to tell me that God doesn't want me. When Satan tries to defeat me and tear me down, this is what comes into my mind. that song over and over again in my head the enemy thought he had me but Jesus said he is mine you see I've been bought by the blood and every time Satan comes to my doorstep I got somebody that's behind me and before me and he has already whooped the snot out of him And so when Satan comes attacking me, I love to say this to him. I simply say this. You've already lost. You don't own me. You used to, but you don't own me. And greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. You see, the enemy thought he had us, but Jesus said we are his. How do we do this? How do we overcome these satanic distractions? Number one, we capture every thought. That's what, he, that's what 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 tells us. Capture every thought. In other words the moment that thought enters your mind that Satan tries to tell you you're not good enough the moment that thought enters your mind to take you off to something else you capture that thought you say no I'm on the Lord's side. I'm focused on God. I'm on his side. I'm going to live for him. You focus on that. You capture those thoughts. But secondly you resist the devil. Don't give him a foothold in your life. Don't let him enter in. Don't let him win. Don't let him beat you. Here's the thing. He is already defeated. Stand in the victory that Jesus Christ has already given you. Don't allow those satanic distractions. Finally, we're going to look at the last distraction, and that is secondary distractions. Look at me in Luke chapter 10. and I know I've preached this passage before, but... God brought me to this one again. Secondary distractions, Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. I'm sure you've heard this story many times, but it's so true. This does not happen as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Anything that pulls you away from Jesus is a distraction. Yep. Family, time, job, anything that pulls you away from Jesus is is a distraction. You may say, Well, my I'm I'm trying to serve the Lord by serving my family. Well, praise the Lord, but your family, if they're serving the Lord, they're not gonna pull you away from Jesus. If they're serving the Lord like they should, they should be pushing you closer to Jesus, not pulling you away from Him. If it's your job, you say, Well, I'm so busy and I, I've got all these things that I gotta do, well, that's great. But when you come home, take a break from your job and put it on Jesus. And when you're at your job, serve as though you're serving the Lord. If it's time, well, here's the thing. You make the time you want to make time for, for the things that you want to do. We all have the same clock. It's all ticking for all of us. We can't allow these things to come in the way. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Here's the answer for those secondary distractions. Number one, keep the main thing the main thing. Jesus is number one. He should always be on your thoughts. He should always be in your heart. He should always be who you're thinking about. Always be who you're living for. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Number two, make sure you are giving Jesus a sacrifice on the altar every week. Yourself. Romans 12 says we are living sacrifices. Guys, I think it's about time that we all started coming to the altar and laying the real sacrifice on it. And let God do what he wants to do in our lives every single day. But until we give God the sacrifice he deserves, which is us. Until we give him all of us, we're allowing the distractions to keep us from being awakened to the things of God. I ask you simply today just one question. What distractions must you overcome to wake up? What distractions do you need to overcome to wake up? If you're not a Christian, I'll tell you the first distraction you need to overcome. And that is Satan telling you that you're unworthy, that you're not wanted, and that you're unloved. That's the distraction you have to overcome and realize that you've got a Savior that loves you in spite of your faults and your failures, one who took your sins and nailed them to the cross so that you might be free and forgiven. So, if that's the distraction that you're faced with today, I hope that when the invitation's given, you come. Our staff will be down here, deacons will be down here. Every one of them would love to tell you how to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But if you're a Christian, what is distracting you from being more like God? What is keeping you from being on the track that God wants you on? Are you allowing things in your mental state to keep you away? Are you allowing Satan to keep you away? Are you allowing secondary issues to keep you at bay? What are you doing It's keeping you from being where God wants you to be? Are you giving God the ultimate sacrifice that he desires? When we get saved, we're saying, God, all on the altar, I give. I'm not holding back anything. I'm all yours. I pray today, if there is a distraction that is keeping you from waking up, God wants you to cast it aside. He wants you to overcome it, and he wants you living for him wholeheartedly.